Thursday night football. Jets taking on the Jaguars. About 10 minutes left in the second quarter. It is 10-3 for the Jaguars. Uh, appreciate your responses, humorous and otherwise, at 780-496-0063. Your biggest what if in sports, uh, we de- the gland of God, that was pretty good. That was uh, who wrote that in? I don't know. He gets a canned ham. Uh, Nick in a barn, I believe. Nick in a Nick in a barn. That would be a fun barn or bar. Barn. That'd be a fun barn to hang out in with Nick coming up with quips like that. Mm. That's pretty good. So if you want to participate in that, it's just fun. It's the off-topic topic. I like the one. What uh, the one I said earlier? What if Ben Johnson never got caught? That would have changed us quite a bit, eh? Mm-hmm. There's probably statues of Ben Johnson, schools named after him. Now there's just needles named after him. Actually, that's not true. That'd be funny, though. Uh, 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. We're going to welcome in a gentleman currently in California on the CertainTeed hotline. He is an outstanding sports writer. His new book is about Bo Jackson. It's called The Last Folk Hero. Returning to Inside Sports is Jeff Perlman. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm, I'm well. Thank you so much. It is awesome to have you on the show. I really appreciate that you've taken the time to join us uh, several times now, usually when you have a a book coming out, which you do have about Bo Jackson, and we're going to get there. But but i got to start somewhere else because we just briefly chatted before we came on air here. You recently visited little old Edmonton? What's what's going on? What's the story? Well, I did a story, a freelance piece for Golf Digest about a – there was a, uh, a school in Oklahoma called University of the Southwest, and they had a really tragic bus accident, a uh, team accident where a bunch of the players died. And um, one of the players who ended up not going on the bus, he was a last-minute scratch, actually, ended up not going, lives in Edmonton. So I came to visit him in Edmonton. And while I was in Edmonton, I always thought the biggest mall was uh, the Mall of America in Minneapolis, but I was I – was, badly mistaken and i went to the largest mall i've ever been to the mall in edmonton and enjoyed stopping at the 17 different tim hortons in that mall there's a few tim hortons in edmonton and and in the mall okay couple things here uh because that story you're covering i'm trying when was that again that crash uh i think it happened in march of uh, yeah yeah incredible okay so that must have been a pretty emotional interview then very 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 he was uh basically he um He's a senior. He was on the University of Southwest golf team. Uh, top six players in practice rounds would make the trip. He came in sixth, but the guy who came in seventh uh, was a sort of up-and-comer, and this guy let that guy take his spot, and that guy ended up dying in the bus accident. So oh, it was a lot for this kid to carry. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing. Well, I, I know you handle stuff like that very well. And and, and while you were – like, what, so now on the lighter side of that, what, what was your impression of West Ed that you actually – Got to see it. Enjoyed it. Had yeah. some really decent food. Uh, froze my ass off, but that's okay. You know, I live in California, and I don't, I'm not really a big shoe wearer, so I had to wear shoes. I didn't love that. But um, I don't know. It was cool. You know, it wasn't like – I wouldn't say Edmonton is the most exciting city in North America, but it was an interesting place, and people are very friendly, and I enjoyed my time. Well, well we are friendly, uh, and I assume you were here uh, – sorry, when was this again, you said? I was here about – there about three or four months ago. Okay, so actually, we had a pretty decent fall. So August, September, the weather was pretty nice. So I know I'm used to it being very warm in my world. 
So yes, I, fair enough. A little, yeah. little bit different. But you'd never, you'd never been here before. But you, I always got the impression I had been there. You had been here before. Okay. I did a story years and years ago for Sports Illustrated about a CFL kicker named Louis Pasaglia. Yeah, of course. And, uh, so uh, that was my one other. I remember it was nothing about it, but I was in Edmonton for that. Yeah, Louis Pasaglia, mostly uh, a, B- a BC Lion during the course of his career, as I'm sure you know, since you literally wrote the story about him. Well, I'm glad you got to come here. I, I know you're very, uh, like, you've always struck me as very worldly and very interested and open about Canada, which is which is cool. Like, you don't strike me as one of those guys like, well, I'm American. That's all I care about. No, that would not be me. That would I, not- uh, yeah, I did Canada. I met a lot of great times in Montreal when I was a baseball writer in particular, uh, I mean, Toronto is one of my favorite cities, and I know it's not Edmonton, but it's one of my favorite cities in the world. So, yeah, Vancouver and Edmonton, the best. Now Edmonton, yes, it's up there. Yeah, the rest of Canada has a very interesting relationship with Toronto, which is something we probably all need therapy for. But anyway, uh, Jeff Perlman checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, uh, you've cranked out another one. Um, now, full disclosure, I have not read it, though I am uh, hoping that Santa has it for me in four days. So hopefully right away uh bo jackson uh i mean like where did you begin with bo uh like i always ask you how why i always ask you where the idea came from that bo was going to be your next subject so tell me um i don't know i was coming off of a book i wrote a book called three ring circus which was about the shack hobie lakers and uh i enjoyed the process but i'm really a nostalgist at heart and I wasn't nostalgic for the Shaq Hobie Lakers. I was a sports writer during that era. But when I was a kid growing up in small town New York, you know, Bo Jackson was it. He was the man. And I had his posters on my wall and I read his autobiography. And I just loved diving back into my youth. Like it's part of the joys of writing books in sports. Is I'm very nostalgic. So Bo Jackson sort of oozes nostalgia for me. And that kind of just was all about it. The title, The Last Folk Hero, uh, to me, that's that's a really interesting title. I'll, I'll take it very literally, then. Why is he the last one? Why can there never be another folk hero in the uh, category of Bo Jackson, so to speak? I, mean, I suppose there can be. He might be the last that <laughs> I can think of folk hero. But um, the title is, is actually, uh, there's a really great writer named Joe Posnanski. And um, he wrote a lot about Bo, and he referred to him as the last folk hero. And what he really meant was he's the last uber, uber star who um, you can't see everything he did on video. Like there are a lot of, you know, Bo ran a 4-1-3-40 with Auburn. It's nowhere to be found. He ran a 4 one 7 with the Raiders. Nowhere to be found. Um, he hit three home runs in the first night baseball game at the University of Georgia, including one that slammed into the light fixture. There's no video of that. So... There is a sort of Paul Bunyan element to him where it's like, uh, oh, man, I have this amazing story, and I have this amazing story. Is there any footage of it? No, there's no footage of it. And I just think nowadays someone comes along, you know, Shohei Otani, before he came to the Angels out here, we did have video of him in Japan. Like, there was a video available, readily available, on Twitter and TikTok and everywhere. We don't have that with Bo Jackson, you know? There was a mythology to him. Well, I like how you I, see. I, I was wondering where you were going to go with that, but I was thinking too. Like you mentioned, no video, and sure. And now, if there's a Bo Jackson, you know, his life's on Twitter, starting as at age eight when he's identified as a phenom, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, uh, I mean, he, he he grew up and starred through a totally uh, uh, totally different era. So how 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 did you have to work to? No, certainly there's video of his pro career and a lot of his college career. I'm assuming, but how, how what kind of work did you have to do to verify some of the stuff? Where you were like, okay, I'm pretty sure I can put this in the book because enough people say they saw it. You know, how did you have to do all that? 
Well, I interviewed 720 people, which oh. is the most I've ever talked to. Oh. And um, that's kind of how you do it. You call people and call people and call people. Like there's a uh, there's a story in the book when Bo was a senior at McIndory High School in Alabama. Someone told me he hit a ball so high to left field that by the time the ball came down, he was rounding third base. And I thought that sounds not realistic. But I, you know, a few people said, oh, yeah, you, it was insane. And more people said it was insane. And finally, I tracked down the left fielder who was playing left field for Fairfield High that day. His name was Eddie Scott. And he's like, 100% true. Here's what happened. And he broke it down to me. Well, so now I have 10 witnesses to this thing. I feel pretty good about that as being sourced. And it's a lot of that. The other thing is, is like every now and then, like the mythology is part of the fun of Bo Jackson. So, you know, there is no video of him running a 4-1-3-40 at Auburn, right? But like, it does line up with everything else he did. And there were enough people who talked about it and verified it and said they were there that I feel comfortable with it. And if worst case scenario, he ran a 4-1-4 and it wasn't quite a 4-1-3, in the name of mythology, in the context of this book, I think I can live with that. Like, this is the thing about something being on video or not. Um, the ball, the ball when he hit it to left field, and he was rounding third. It's possible it hit an electric line. It's possible a stiff wind came along and blew it out of reach of the left fielder. There's a million different, maybe it started raining, maybe the ball was slippery, maybe the grass was slippery, who knows? It's cooler hearing the story from people. If you saw it, it wouldn't be nearly as cool. Like that's part of the neatness of it all. Like if you saw it, it wouldn't be as cool. And passing down stories makes it cooler. Jeff Perlman joining us on Inside Sports. The last folk hero, the life and myth of Bo Jackson, is uh, now available. And as I said, hopefully under my Christmas tree. Uh, and I'll start I didn't reading. put it there. So you better hope oh, you didn't, you didn't drop yeah. it off when you were in Edmonton. Oh, man. Come on. Right. That, that would be great to get one of your books personally delivered. Maybe that'll be my goal for the next one. Um, I, I remember, I know we've talked about a few of your books. Uh, Gunslinger, the Brett Favre one. You did not talk to Brett. Nope. Correct. Did did Bo participate at all in this book? No, but uh, I spoke to him early on. Um, I sent him a bunch of my books in a letter. He wrote me back, or no, he called me back. We spoke for like a half hour, and he was nice. He wasn't a jerk about it, but he's like, I get asked all the time. I don't really want to be involved, but I don't have a problem with you writing a book, and that was cool. And then um, I got lucky because uh, Bo had an autobiography come out in 1990 called Bo Knows Bo, and he did it with a writer named Dick Shap who was a great, great, great journalist since past. And Dick Schapp donated all his notes, transcripts, audio recordings, everything to the Auburn University Library. And I'm pretty sure for the last 30 years or so, it just sat there in a dusty box. And someone made me aware of it. And I ended up acquiring all the audio tapes, all the transcripts of it, um, transcribed by his teenage son at the time, Jeremy Schapp, interestingly. And... Um, and it was like having all this material of a Bo, young Bo Jackson talking to you. Most of it never made the Bo Knows Bo book. So that was gold for me. And in a way, probably better than had Bo talk to me because it was very fresh material from when he was in the midst of it all. Um. All right. So, again, a, uh, a highly revered athlete uh, who excelled, you know, in multiple sports. Um did anybody did you did anybody say I, I don't like this guy? Did anybody say I oh, wasn't sure. that good? Yeah, yeah. He's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, he was a pain in the ass. He was. He could be. <laughs> he could be. He could be a pain in the ass. Let me phrase it that way. He was um, guarded. He did not like signing autographs for teammates. 
Uh, if it were football season, he wouldn't be signing your baseball stuff. If it was baseball season, he want to sign your football stuff. He was very tough with the media. He made them wait and wait and wait, knowing they had deadlines. He was guarded and uncomfortable. And I think one of the things about books that's cool, it's like if you're just a guy and you deal with a guy who's treating you like an asshole, you just think that guy's an asshole. And if you're a journalist writing about someone, you wonder how did he become an asshole? How did he develop that thick skin? And Bo was a poor kid with one of 10 kids with his living in abject poverty with his dad, basically absentee living across town in the same town with his own family, having nothing to do with Bo. He had a severe speech impediment as a kid. He was held back a grade as a kid, like all these things working against him. And a lot of people, once he developed his athletic skills, really tried using him and milking him for every buck he was worth from Auburn to boosters to et cetera. So when you look at someone, it's easy to say, oh, that guy's such a jackass. But then you dig a little deeper and you understand why he's guarded and why he's that way. And that was pretty helpful for me. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Is he the biggest, like in our lifetime, I think we're r- roughly around the same age. Like, is he one of the biggest what ifs in terms of like, what if the, the injury hadn't happened? I think he's the biggest. Yeah. Uh, there've been others, obviously. I mean, Rick DiPietro well, was number sure. one pick for my Islanders. And I thought this guy was going to be, you know, whatever, but he was um, the Texas Rangers drafted a kid, a high school pitcher named David Clyde back in the seventies and threw him right to the majors. And, but Bo, we all got a taste of it. That's the thing. We got a taste of it. We, we saw in front of, we saw him run over Brian Bosworth. We saw him lead off the all-star game with a home run. We saw him climb up the wall in Baltimore, all these things that were so titillating. And, um, but we never got the full extension of it. And one of the great questions is what if he just played baseball? What if he just played football? What if he just focused on one sport? And put all his energies into it. So there are a lot of questions. I mean, it kind of makes the book. I always say, if Bo Jackson had wound up Marcus Allen or Bo Jackson had wound up Kirk Gibson, I wouldn't be writing this book. Like the what if is almost like a character in and of itself. That's a great way to put it. Okay, before I let you go, and love having you on, dare I ask, because uh, I think it's every two years you put out a book? Is it every two to three, roughly? Two to three. Two to three. Is three. the And maybe you're not at liberty to disclose here on a Little Old Inside Sports. Is, is the next one uh, off and running or percolating? It is. It's a Louis Pasaglia book. Oh, that's going to be the book? No, I'm just kidding. It is oh, I am so excited to see yeah, the book. Uh, I have a book I'm working on. I'm super, super paranoid. The only thing I can tell you is it's not a sports book. It's my first non-sports book. Okay, good. Well, I still I hope you'll still come on a sports show and talk about it whenever it comes. Might up. be the only one who wants me on. You, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jeff. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Uh, uh, enjoy the uh, warmer weather in California than what we're getting here in Edmonton. And uh, yes, ne- next time you come up here, you got to let me know. We'll go to the mall. We'll get a Tim Hortons. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Oh, my goodness. Well, if there's ever been a song that captures the spirit of Christmas, there it is. Yes, the unfortunately titled Mistress for Christmas by ACDC. We will just leave that there. But yeah, I, I knew you were going to play that at some point, Kellen. Well, yeah, it's Christmas. You had on. to slip that in there. <laughs> Mister, the uh, that's off the razor's edge, I believe. It pretty, is. Pretty strong album. Yeah. I don't know if that's one of the better cuts, but uh, hey, ACDC oh, wrote it. a Christmas song. They can say they did that. Okay, pretty good. 
780-496-0063. Apparently some of you are embracing the off-topic topic, the biggest what-if in sports. So we will catch up on those. Hopefully some of you are having some fun with that. You can also give me a call, 780-496-0063. And an Edmontonian who scored an overtime goal for the Canadian women's national team on Monday in a rivalry series game against the United States. What a feeling. She'll break it down.